If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, you can download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Wiser Wednesday Experience Speaks, a podcast that discusses the improvement of physician engagement and physician documentation habits by focusing on the core aspects of clinical documentation integrity. Here is the creator and founder of Core CDI, the co-founder of Top Gun Audit School, and your host of this podcast, Glenn Krause. Hello everyone, this is Glenn Krause from Top Gun Audit School and Core CDI. We're here today on a recording of another great podcast with Sonal Patel, and we also have Tony Elham. Let me give you an overview of uh, each of them. They have illustrious backgrounds. Uh, then we're going to get started right in, jump right in to our conversation today about the compliance risk within CDI. I actually call it CDI Assessing Compliance Risk Applying the SNP Test. And it really is about the sniff test because CDI can have a strong potential to really move the needle on the quality of the documentation supportive of net patient revenue, but also increasing efficiency and effectiveness of documentation while reducing compliance. So let's go over uh, Ms. Patel's background. She's a healthcare coder and compliance consultant at Nexon Pruitt out of Charleston. And she serves as the firm's remote expert coding and compliance consultant. She's committed to providing her clients coding and documentation guidance based on government and private payer regulations. Ms. Patel provides detailed high-level findings, reports for practices under ZPIC, UPIC, and RAC audit reviews, as well as risk-adjusted audits. She creates custom corrective action plans for both Part A and Part B providers. At the request of many physicians, Sonal conducts baseline audits to ensure compliance. Ms. Patel is an avid educator and provides individualized PowerPoint presentations for physician billing and coding education. She comes to Nexon Pruitt with a focused concentration on the myriad of reimbursement complexities by private practice physicians as well as hospital systems. And she's held numerous very important high-level 
positions, including working with Texas Medical Center, guiding specialty physicians uh, and surgeons in correct coding and billing practices at one of Texas Medical Center's premier billing companies. And lastly, during her time at Houston's leading cancer institution, Ms. Patel performed thousands, holy mackerel, thousands of retrospective audits on professional charges to ensure accuracy of coding and clinical documentation to maintain, that's the key word here, maintain reimbursement levels. We also have Tony Elhams, who has a litany of credentials, very impressive, and she's an improved uh, HEMA ICD-10 CMPCS trainer, and she's a nationally known speaker. She's so active on LinkedIn, I enjoy seeing her post, Tony and recognized subject matter expert on medical coding, reimbursement, and revenue cycle management. She is the founder and CEO of Alpha Coding Experts, LLC. She holds multiple credentials with AHIMA AAPC. With over a decade of industry experience, she has led and supported hospital systems, universities, physician practices, payers, government agencies, and other entities on coding, billing, and compliance initiatives. She's a frequent contributor to various media outlets, speaker, and regular guest on industry podcasts, created Alpha Coding podcast series to share industry pro tips. And if you haven't seen her podcast, you must take a look at them. So, oh, what do you have, Tony? Like every week? When do, when do you put them on there? Every month? Every week? Yes, every, every Monday to start your week off smarter. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. They're really juicy. I, I enjoy listening to them, and you will too. And lastly, she serves as a board member on the editorial advisory board, of the Coding Institute and leads and mentors a network of revenue cycle management professionals across the country. She also serves as a president of the Orlando, Florida AAPC chapter. So folks, as you can see, we have two highly respected, recognized industry leaders. So thank you ladies for being on the podcast. Much appreciated and welcome. Thank you for having us, Glenn. Uh, no Thanks, problem. Man. I look forward to uh, talking to you today. So what we want to do today is really ask a few questions to Tony and Fennell on discussing compliance risk within CDI and uh, really engage in a strong conversation. So I want to start off with a couple of questions uh, and get your feedback. So one thing we want to uh, look at is, okay, as coders, auditors, and compliance professionals, what risk do you see in the CDI the way it currently stands? So, Tony, if you want to go first, what risk do you see in CDI? Because it's out there, and, you know, all the payers have this data on and can identify systematic potential aberrant patterns and drill down further. So what are your, what are your thoughts? Absolutely. Well, in the uh, absence of talking about this for hours and hours on end, Glenn, yeah. as, as we've done, there's just so many systemic issues with CDI. And I think, um, you know, the biggest one is really query overload, right? Oh, tell so me the about it. Physician query, query overload and really the accountability behind each query. I think the queries just go out in a mass and no one's really looking to see, are they valid queries? Are they not valid? And if they're not valid, where's the accountability in terms of who's issuing those queries? So I would uh, say that's definitely, um, definitely a big, big issue. Okay, so now what are your thoughts? That's a great question, Glenn and Tony. I love your input of the overload of query, query, query. You know, I really do 
approach this kind of question from the back end, which is my specialty, which is where I come in. You know, so I, I really do approach CDI as, you know, the medical record. Like we really need our CDI folks and specialists to take a more comprehensive look at mm -hmm. compliance that's not necessarily done now. And yeah. I really do think that when I see the volumes of claims that come back in an audit fashion, primarily things that are denied are for the rationale of the medical record. The medical necessity is not captured. That's correct. Things Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. So there's just huge risk there. And I think improvements should be started, should be made by folks like CDI. Yeah, and the other thing I, I want to throw out there that I'm seeing is, okay, I was, uh, I'm on Indeed, because I like to see what the industry is going in CDI, what's new titles and so forth. And mm -hmm. I saw one for a CDI auditor. Do you really? Oh, wow. okay. okay, so the CDI auditor, I look at the job mm -hmm. description. The job description says to ensure compliant queries. Okay, good. Oh. To ensure optimal DRG assignment. Okay, it didn't say anything about medical necessity. It didn't say anything about over-querying. It didn't have any job requirements of compliance or integrity of the medical record. You know, we changed our profession's name to clinical documentation integrity. My concern, I don't know about yours, my major concern is we haven't changed the processes to achieve integrity of the medical records. So what we've done is changed the name, but we haven't changed the underlying structural uh, challenges, deficiencies, compliance risks. We're still going down the same merry path. Uh, am, I, am I correct in that statement? Yes, absolutely. I think... Um, that was definitely a, a talking point that both Sinal and I wanted to hit on. It's really like CDI is trying to rebrand, right? We're going from improvement to integrity That's without right. issuing or without addressing the root issue, which is understanding the role of CDI in the bigger picture and really, you know, streamlining the process, but also ensuring that it's robust, comprehensive, and addresses the real issues. How can you have a CDI auditor without any type of prerequisite experience for CDI. I mean, in my mind, that would be like putting somebody in a cardiology coding role and they've never touched a heart cast. They know nothing about that. So auditing is at that next level. It's, it's a higher level and it requires a higher level of skill. Oh, uh, not only that, if you think about auditing, it shouldn't be auditing for the same thing. It shouldn't be structured based on uh, the, the processes that we have today. It should be an elevated role, like you said, uh, looking for medical necessity, looking for over-documentation. The OIG has on their work plan, was it November of 2018? I think that's when it was, December. They're concerned about hyper-documentation. Well, they didn't call it hyper-documentation. They, they said over-coding and miscoding. But to me, it's not over-coding and miscoding. It's over-documentation. And coders are kind of stuck in between a, hard, a rock and a hard place because of the doctor's documents it. And it's throughout the chart. We can't ignore it, can we? Coders can't ignore what's documented in the chart. If we had to go back and validate every diagnosis that was communicated, we'd have no bills being dropped. Do you agree? 
Yeah, we, we, absolutely. We, we, absolutely. We, would have, we would have a discharge not final bill that's 20 days long. I want to get a CFO to be on the tail of the coding director or manager, HIM director. All you have to do is not is you get one day off, bill hold, and you get a call. How do I know? I was a coding manager or a coding director. It's a thankless job. I wouldn't want it. Thank you very much. I get calls every day. Got a great opportunity as director of coding. I tell them, you still do. Excuse me? I'm not interested. Okay? So... And, you know, the other thing is, I, re I believe you, we agree on this statement. Without medical necessity, there is no need for CDI. It becomes irrelevant. If you don't get paid, what good does a CC or MCC do? Uh, we, uh, sure. Hospitals need cash. They need cash. So I want to look at another question. You sent me some great questions here. Okay, what compliance improvements can be made at the clinical documentation level to heighten the CDI space? which is a great question, and you both have compliance backgrounds, so I'm really interested in hearing what you're thinking. We really need to just stick with the idea that we, all three of us, can agree on that there needs to be a major shift, right, a major pivot, a paradigm shift in the entire space, right? So we need to move away from the old concepts that have been used and used and used and from the back end, we see that, you know, as I said earlier, it results in overpayment. So the money we obtain today will be taken back in five years. When the Please. auditor on the payer side, you know, sees the volume of coding data that comes in at the clearinghouses, uh, right? That's All right, that absolutely. Data is without mm -hmm. documentation. It's just claims data. It's just That's the right. CPTs, the ICDs, etc. So based yeah, on that excellent. volume, mm -hmm. an auditor wants to poke around, where do they poke around? In the documentation that they ask for. That's right. So when they you... poke there, they're going to see mm -hmm. all of the errors that are found in that documentation. So it's not uh, adequate it's not substantiating the LCDs right. or the NCDs That's or right. the commercial payer policies. So, Absolutely. you know, CDI can definitely improve and just change their way of thinking. Um, they can do a lot more uh, than just ask a physician for diagnosis clarifications. That's right. They can research more on the published guidance. Mm -hmm. in policies that are known for their services. So, you know, for a gallbladder, for, uh, you know, heart catheters, whatever, there are policies that the CDI space can also have access to um, and therefore educate physicians at the very, very front end mm -hmm. on how to capture that necessity That's right away. Right. Rather than oh, later. what an excellent point. You know, I, this brings up interesting case. I had the same hospital where I was, uh, they asked me about their CDI. And this, I think this is really uh, drives home your point. Uh, so they asked me, can you look at the $78,000 claim 
uh, we didn't get paid for the pacemaker, and we have a covered diagnosis. So I look at the claim, uh, as to say, okay, let me look at the record. So I get online, I look at, uh, they have EPIC, I look at the EPIC, I go through the progress notes and I say something about two days later, I call back the CFO and say, oh, did you find anything? Can we get paid? I said to him politely, so-and-so, uh, you're better off buying a lottery ticket. You may get back your money quicker. He says, what happened? I say, one physician, one physician documented he thought the arrhythmia or no, it was a Mobis, Mobis type 3, that's what it was. He said he thinks it's related to a drug-drug interaction. Uh, let's stop the drug. Okay, so he said it's transient in nature. As soon as the doctor said transient in nature, okay, that's one of the limitations of coverage if you go to the NCD. Of course, in the CDI, not putting them down, but that's not in their wheelhouse. They don't, most of them don't know about it. I'm not putting them down. I'm just speaking honestly. They don't know about it. And so they're looking for CCs and MCCs. Meanwhile, they got an MCC, but they didn't get paid. Uh, and so is that a compliance risk? I think it is, because if you're sending in the claim that where the information doesn't support the actual procedure, to me, that's a compliance issue. You know it's not covered. Why'd you send it in to begin with? Or should, yeah. should have the CDI clarified, the, the doctor, mm -hmm. because this was one of the consultants. You know, when the reviewer looks at something, they're going to latch onto it, as far as I can As my experience shows, when you give them ammunition to deny something, uh, they don't look the other way. They, they latch onto it like an eagle uh, swooping down to pick up a rabbit. They're pretty strong. <laughs> I, I, I know they are. Because uh, I've I seen a rabbit in my yard pick, pick up a, a large squirrel like it was a piece of paper. I've, I viewed it. I have it on my camera, my security camera. I looked at it and said, holy mackerel, look at that. And that reminds me, okay, they latch onto that and goodbye payment. How are you going to do an appeal on something like that? Well, here's another one, and I think this is good, and we'll go to the next question. I really appreciate it. Here's the thing. If you have sepsis, here, this is a true case. That's, to me, a compliance issue. Patient comes in uh, with a supposedly sepsis with acute metabolic encephalopathy secondary to a deep-seated, partially treated outpatient UTI. So we got cause and effect relationship. We got a good clinical picture there. We had some clinical indicators. But when the doctor says something like this, true case, this is not made up. Patient just finished polishing off a double cheeseburger with a lot of water of fries. Uh, sitting, resting comfortably at the end of the bed, talking to the nurse and joking around. Wondering what's wondering what they're going to be serving for dinner. Okay, that's a quote. That's a quote. Number one diagnosis, acute sepsis, secondary to deep-seated urinary tract infection, partially treated outpatient. Number two, acute encephalopathy, secondary to number one. Don't you think that's a compliance concern? The patient hey. has finished? A double hey, Glenn, at least they were honest and it wasn't a cookie-cutter template. No, you didn't say a little don't you see, no distress, <laughs> but that's what they said. I mean, it's, it's really, what are your thoughts on this? Tony and Sonal, what are your thoughts? Do you think physicians, and this is really a compliance concern, and I've had some physicians tell me, I, answer, I put down the diagnosis even if I don't think it. And I said, said to him, good thing I'm not recording this. He says, 
I put it down because I don't want to receive queries. I'm tired of them. I document for query avoidance. I said, what do you mean? I know I'm going to get a query with sepsis and all that and acute proxemic respiratory failure. So I put it down even though I may not think it because I'm tired of the queries. Have you heard anything like that in your practice? Yes, absolutely. It goes back to my point about the query overload. But, yeah. um, you know, if we actually go through and look at queries and assess what are valid queries versus what's not valid um, and what shouldn't have been issued, I mean, you'd probably be shocked at the percentages. I did. I worked with a hospital system, and they had, it was 70% of their queries were not valid. So 30% of the queries were valid, 70-30. That is disgraceful because so much time, so many resources are spent on an inefficient query system. And I'll just touch on this copy forward issue because this is also a major concern. And I think... Oh, tell me about it. CDI professionals, uh, coders, everybody really has to be all hands on deck with this this issue. We had a, a health system out here in Florida that uh, we found a big issue on copy forward with their mammograms and their CAD. So their CAD machine had been down for six months, but of course all the cookie cutter templated CAD documentation was in the medical records. Well, when we actually audited and found out that the CAD machine had been down for that period of time, of course, the next thing you do is you look to see if it was billed, and of course it was billed. So you're talking millions and millions of dollars that were not justified. And there's this false sense of security that, oh, I got paid for it, so I'm good. No, that's the worst perspective you can have. I think the piece that, uh, you know what they're calling it now? Good point. They're calling it pull forward. It sounds better than copy and paste, pull forward, but it's the same. It's still the the same. same. You may have a new- Tomato, tomato. Yeah, you, st- you have a new, my mother yeah. would say, hey, you look good in your new suit, but you're still wearing the same dirty underwear, okay? So uh, <laughs> uh, pull forward. And I had a physician tell me that yesterday because we're working on developing modules for physicians how to document from a CDI perspective, patient care, communication, not reimbursement. I think this is a good closing point for both of you, okay? A mindset a shift is needed for CDI professionals to improve efficacy for both experienced and newbie coders. Please discuss your thoughts. I wanted to say this before you kind of discuss your thoughts. I've been a CDI manager, been CDI director, CDI supervisor, coding manager during a time when CDI programs uh, have been in existence. And I see kind of an animosity between the two in some places. And it's really, I, I think, detrimental to coding and CDI when we're arguing about mm-hmm. a, CD, a CC or an MCC. How do we change the mindset that we're working together? We're working for compliance. We're working for revenue preservation. We're working towards patient care communication. And if we do all that, We'll get optimal reimbursement. You can't have revenue preservation, optimization without good processes in place from the time of admission to the time of coding. So your thoughts, how do we change that outlook of me versus them when it comes to CDI and coding? First of all, do you see that in your practice? For sure, 100%. That's been ongoing. As you know, I had a career transition. So when I started, it was 
exactly as you have stated, me versus them. Mm -hmm. I've never quite understood that, um, and I'd like to see the, the AAPC folks and the AHIMA folks kind of recognizing that we're all on the same page. We're all working yeah, for our physicians and our hospitals to understand that the center of the work that we do is mm -hmm. based on the medical record. Every single thing we do is based on the integrity of that patient record. So only when that is a truthful, you know, legal binding document can we as the, you know, business professionals come in and accurately abstract codes that then mm -hmm. go on those claims um, that support compliance so our physicians can keep their reimbursement um, and so they're not taken back. We all need to just be on the same page that mm -hmm. we all want what's best and not do the, you know, this team is over here, that team is over there. Would you call it yeah. territorial environment? Very much so. I think so, yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's an us against them. Oh, you're not a nurse. You don't have a nursing background, so you're not qualified to talk about clin clinical documentation improvement. And the thing is, we really have to respect everyone's expertise. We all see things through a different lens. And the great thing about HIM professionals is that they have a depth of knowledge that CDI and traditional CDI professionals do not have in regards to privacy and security and all of the regulations. So I think we have to acknowledge that everybody really plays a vital role in the patient care process because we are a part of that. The mindset really has to shift because I think nurses and nursing staff especially have this incorrect assertion that you have to have a nursing degree to be a part of the CDI process, and that's not the case. Uh, uh, don't get me going because we'll be here till 5 o'clock. <laughs> Well, you know, really, okay, uh, here's a question I want to pose to, to, for closing, okay? If you could make, if each of you, and I'd like each of you to comment, if I said to you, wave the magic wand, and if you could wave the magic wand and transform CDI so it supports medical necessity, optimal reimbursement based on the concept of revenue preservation, and uh, everyone working together, what Dr. Zellum and I call Utilization Management 360, breaking down silos, to the extent we have a record that speaks for itself, we have a good patient story, we have progress notes that show progress, we don't have pull forward inaccurate information, and the record has a good discharge summary, so we have net patient revenue that we're not giving back. How would you do that? What would be the secret sauce to transform CDI? Because you know, I've been talking about it for eight years, and I'm not, I'm not going to give up until I'm in the grave. Yeah, I, I really do believe all three of us have just stated that, you know, there has been for years the lack of communication between all parties. And I think if we can change that at the, you know, C-suite level or whoever is in charge of, you know, implementing that kind of silo stuff, whoever's in charge of stopping that and allowing communication mechanisms to change and, you know, CDI should be um, speaking with the coders all the time. 
to really help capture documentation based on all the regulations at the forefront rather than on the back end. Um, Absolutely. And that's what we see is all of this cleanup later when if we can all work as a team effectively the first time, exactly what you and Dr. Zellum have stated, all of that can be done. You know, all of that can take place and be effective, um, and we can really, uh, you know, pursue great patient care alongside great documentation, which is sorely lacking. It sure is. And, we, and you know what? Before we turn it over to uh, Tony for closing remarks, if you look at CERT contract uh, improper payment, Supplemental data report the results for 2019 in the inpatient, just inpatient short term acute care IPPS, 80% of the improper payments for DRGs was based on insufficient documentation and medical necessity. And it's, a, it's really mind boggling to me that we call ourselves clinical documentation integrity, regardless of the association where you're affiliated with when we have 80% of improper payments in DRGs related to insufficient documentation and medical necessity. Uh, Tony, last closing remarks? Yeah, that's, that's mind-blowing, Glenn. Um, and it just kind of speaks to the fact that we really have to focus on shifting our mindset and breaking down the silos and understanding that clinical documentation, uh, the actual providers doing their documentation and the coding processes, they all have to really come together to ensure that patients are cared for comprehensively. So it's a team effort. It's going to take some mindset shifts, and I think that has to start with operational leadership and the C-suite, and then it'll trickle down from there. But it's definitely not an overnight process. No, it's not, it's not, and it doesn't really mean buying software. Software is not the panacea that people think. So, folks. Yes, don't go out and buy a system. That's not the solution. Go, no. Well, that's what, I think that's a misnomer. So, uh, every, uh, Sanal and uh, Tony, thank you so much. That was Sanal Patel from uh, Healthcare Coder and Compliance Consultant at Nexon Pruitt, LLC. She hails from the Chicago land. And we have an Tony L. Holmes from the founder and CEO of Alpha Coding Experts, LLC, uh, out of Florida. And just before I close, I want to say, if you haven't gone to the TopGunAuditSchool.com website, we have a lot of resources, and uh, you can access all the Wiser Wednesday Experience Speaks. Uh, and uh, we also, if you go to Course CDI, have a lot of free material. So, uh, folks, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Tony and Sanal. And this concludes our, our podcast for the day. Thank you for listening. Glenn Krause can be found on LinkedIn. Make sure to subscribe to Wiser Wednesday Experience Speaks on Anchor.fm or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to also visit core-cdi.com for CDI and Revenue Cycle Consulting Services and TopGunAuditSchool.com, a coaching service for hospital and clinicians. This podcast was produced by MedicalCodingGeek.com. MedicalCodingGeek.com